From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, self-flying air taxis are set to launch in southeast Queensland in time for the 2032 Olympics. Would you take one of these flying taxis with no pilot? On today's show, you'll hear from the University of Southern Queensland's aviation expert, Chris Smith, who explains the prospect is very real and not something to remain confined to science fiction or cartoons. It's Monday, February 20, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. After a lifetime in the aviation industry, Chris Smith now dedicates much of his time to working with companies, organisations and individuals on matters of leadership and mental health, with a particular focus on staff engagement and manager-staff relations, as well as lecturing, counselling and writing his book, Tell Me About You, due for release in mid-2023. Chris Smith is also Senior Lecturer in Aviation at the University of Southern Queensland. With the future looking like we'll have the option of using flying taxis in 2032, there are so many unanswered questions. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Chris. Alan, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. Autonomous or pilotless aircraft still feels like a bit of a stretch from here. Do you think it's really possible by the Olympics in 2032? Oh, Alan, definitely. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. We're in an age now where uh, we're preparing to send people, human beings, to Mars. Where we've got uh, Elon Musk doing his thing, Jeff Bezos sending people up there without without astronauts with them. Uh, we can certainly send people from uh, Brisbane to the Gold Coast, Ipswich to Warmbrisen and uh, Sunshine Coast. There's no question about it. It's possible, yes. An example of uh, one of the aircraft, or maybe two, I'm not sure, was put on show in Brisbane recently. Firstly, did you get along there? And is it possible to describe yet what a flying taxi will finally look like? Uh, Actually, I've been away for a little bit, so I didn't get to see it, but I did did read and study the article. The answer is yes. Look, it'll have, uh, I think there'll be a variety of different uh, kinds of taxis that that will emerge, Uh, electric Engines, multiple engines, of course. Uh, we're talking about pilotless, pilotless taxis here, and I think that will be the issue that will be the make or break in the short term, but not the long term, Alan. I really don't. In terms of size, they'll start small, a handful of passengers, maybe just a couple, and then they'll grow. You, you'll end up with uh, almost like a normal taxi you'd catch into the city. To be honest with you, so. For a, for a visual, as this is audio, would they be like a an oversized drone with an undercarriage or something like that? That's a that's a fair a fair description. Uh, yes, multiple engines on each wing. Um, those engines, and there'll be a variety of different models, but they'll be able to rotate, uh, much like you see some military uh, aircraft flying around, so they can land vertically and take off vertically, and then rotate forward, which will enable a forward flight. Yeah, I think so. Now, I get the drones have had rapid improvements in their navigation capabilities in recent years, like if the battery's getting low, it'll return to home for safety and all that kind of thing. How exactly, do we know yet how exactly small flying taxis with no pilot will be able to navigate safely? 
Oh, most certainly. In fact, we've got the technology now. If you look at um, all the large aircraft, and I still do a bit of uh, airline flying myself these days, all the large airline airliners that are built these days all have um, autonomous navigation capability, and they all they can all automatic land. The restriction on automatic landing in large aircraft is actually not the aircraft itself, but it's the airport. So within uh, Australia, there are a handful of airports uh, we can do automatic landing uh, at, but not at ones such as, uh, say, Mackay or Rockhampton or those, you know. Uh, Brisbane, yes. Sydney, yes. Melbourne, yes. Uh, But in terms of navigation, no trouble at all. And those things can be monitored, and they are monitored from the ground now. Even as we're flying now in airliners, the, the systems are being monitored by uh, by our engineering department and uh, often by Boeing itself, for example, if it's Boeing or Airbus uh, live. So the answer to that is yes. So are we limited to the number of flying taxis? Because I I'm just envisioning it's going to get quite busy. So how will that all be controlled? That's a lot of aircraft movements. That's right. And therein lies the complexity, and particularly in the southeast Queensland area and, and around Sydney and Melbourne and all those other areas as well. That will be the issue. That, those will be the hurdles. So there will be lots of logistical issues, regulatory rules, but those things are actually being worked on as we speak. So the Civil Aviation Safety Authority will have to work on those, and they are, and I know they're looking at it currently. The pilots, if you like in inverted commas, on the ground will have to be trained and approved appropriately. And my view on this, though, is that because ramifications are so much greater than with drones without passengers, uh, then, then the so, so are the regulations and so are the training for those pilots. Uh, I actually think that will be the temporary stumbling block for these uh, machines from the point of view of the public. However, I don't feel that it's going to be a long-term issue. I, I really don't. I think we're going to become quite used to that. But the logistical issues don't just stop there, Alan, to be honest. Um, what altitude do they fly at? How do they separate themselves from other traffic? Because this is a this is quite a busy corridor. The, these areas in southeast Queensland, and if they grow, uh, they go. I would imagine that they would actually establish set flight routes for them. But that that's not as simple as that either, because um, aircraft fly at hemispherical altitudes. Now we're flying to the north or northeast. We fly at odd levels. Fly to the west. It's even levels, but. That can be altered, for example, if there's weather ahead. And in the southeast Queensland area, there's quite a bit of weather here. So I would imagine that those taxis will have to have radar, weather radar on them that can be seen by the ground operator and to make a judgment in kind to change level or track, uh, change their heading to get around those things. Uh, Also, from an air traffic control clearance point of view, do those flights uh, obtain an airways clearance from air traffic control so they can separate them from everybody else or do they operate what we call an outside controlled airspace which is basically you control yourself and you separate yourself from other light aircraft. A whole lot of uh, logistical issues, none of them insurmountable though. We've also got the situation in Ipswich with RAF base Amberley so I'm imagining that's really going to influence flight paths and uh, altitudes. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And that's right, because there's quite a, a large airspace around uh, Amberley, uh, right around the Ipswich area, dedicated, and, and areas that activate and deactivate quite frequently, and they're called restricted areas. 
So they're not always active. For example, at certain times of day or night, the, the RAF may permit civilian aircraft to transit through them or they may close off the airspace or they may open it up to anybody if they're not using that airspace. Uh, lots and lots of logistical areas to, to deal with. No question about it. Sticking with Ipswich, Chris, will the aircraft have a dedicated landing spot? Would they be small enough to land in a street and how would that impact on traffic? Where will the takeoff and landing spots be? That's right. That That's my view too. I'm, I'm really glad you raised that because I don't believe we're going to be in a position of dropping me at my home in, uh, in Paddington or, you, or someone else right outside the door for quite some time. Uh, we've got all sorts of things to deal with that, you know, um, power lines for a start. Yes. <laughs> you know, but but the, I, I firmly believe there will be dedicated landing areas and takeoff areas, for, at least for the time being, but uh, and along with the flight routes. Yeah, yes, I do. Uh, and that makes it a little bit easier to, to control, of course, but I think it's, we're way off yet being able to drop it at our house. But, um, you know, yeah, things change very, very rapidly, honestly, actually. They really do. So there'll be dedicated landing sites. It'll have to be to make it uh, worthwhile. There might be multiple in Ipswich, for example. So where is the planning at with that? Has there been any progress made, do you know? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, it hasn't. I, I am in contact with people at Civil Aviation Safety Authority. Basically, it's a licensing issue uh, for them. They, they've been working on the drones area for years, to be honest with you, because they uh, initially they were, um, you know, they took everyone by surprise, I think, and the, the rate at which the uptake uh, accelerated, which just, just surprised everybody, and uh, industries of all kinds are, are using them. And but a lot of it's outside controlled airspace. Now we're really, we're really upping the ante here. So I think I think the the regulators are going to have their hands full for a little while. But technologically, can we do it? Absolutely. We, we we can fly from anywhere around the world to another point now. You know, uh, but it's logistical areas that we need to deal with, and that that's going to be the, the issue for us to deal with right here in southeast Queensland. I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that they're actually going to launch it here. Yes. Uh, 2032. And do I think it's possible? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. And what is it going to mean for uh, the average uh, person who has a drone? Well, that's that's right. I mean, you know, and of course there are lots of privacy issues attached to drones as well because every, every second person seems to be getting a drone these days, mm-hmm. don't they? And you probably remember uh, there were a lot of complaints initially when the drones were, were flying from people's backyards and looking over the fence, you know, all those sorts of things. And, and here it is again. So there'll be people um, concerned about uh, safety, about um, noise, uh, visual effects, all those sorts of things will come into play. So I think there might be some political ramifications attached to this as well, Alan, to be perfectly honest. So people will want them uh, rerouted over different areas and not over my backyard. I can picture those sorts of things and I can understand that. You know, that's okay. That's okay. But, you know, uh, do I think those things are insurmountable? Not at all. Nothing. You mentioned uh, Tesla a little while ago in our chat. The self-driving yeah. cars still seem to have some way to go, it would seem, before being 100% safe. There's a, a software update yeah. that's got to go into all these vehicles that we're seeing in the news. How much testing should be done before passengers are allowed in those first flights? Uh, a lot, Alan. And here I am uh, talking with you. I'm in LA at the moment, and we're seeing those cars. In fact, there's a Google cars driving around at the moment, and on top of them, you, you actually see them driving around. There is a person inside. They, auto- they are autonomous and they look like they've got a, a satellite dish sitting on top, a big dome sitting on top of them, but you're seeing them just drive around testing them. Uh, so do I think there'll be a, a lot of testing? Oh, I'd say some years, to be perfectly honest. And, and it would need to be to gain public confidence, uh, Alan, to be honest, really. 
Has anybody talked about the cost of fares yet? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. Can I give you an example, you know, <laughs> of what will happen? Because, you know, Alan, my mother is 99 years of age. So she actually went flying with Charles Kingsford Smith, you know, would you believe oh, that, as a child? That's amazing. Now, the Wright brothers flew in 1903. She was born in 1924. And um, so there you go. It wasn't far after they flew. As, as some decades later, it took uh, – to uh, basically a year's salary to fly from Australia to the UK in about yeah, a couple of weeks. You know? But now you can get to the UK and back for a few thousand dollars economy. I, I, I'll let you into a secret. Uh, I've actually listed myself on uh, Richard Branson's uh, version of Galactic, but uh, they're now 250000 US dollars a ticket. Oh. <laughs> uh, but the reason I did it was because I'm banking on it, on it being about 10000 in about 10 years' time. Oh, right, <laughs> and okay. Yeah. If, my, yeah, if my number comes up, I'll take it. Yeah? <laughs> so, so with scale comes a reduction in cost. Um, so, yep, they'll be pretty expensive to kick off with. Uh, and you look at Tesla, I mean, I don't think he's actually made uh, a profit out of Tesla at this point. And, uh, but so that's what will happen here for sure. So those fees will come, they'll come down pretty rapidly because there won't be just one company in it. No. Yeah, there won't be just, no. I really feel like we're talking about art imitating life well before time. And the first thing yeah. that springs to mind, of course, is that early 1960s cartoon, The Jetsons, where they were flying yes. around. And it, this is like no one ever thought it would be possible. But here we are talking about it. Oh, it's real. Oh, it's real. Yeah. And we're accelerating. I mean, our knowledge is accelerating uh, to an unbelievable extent, really. We just can't keep up with it. So uh, the answer to that is yes. And we're talking about 2032. So that's uh, nine years away. An awful lot happens in every 12 months, Alan. So, um, yeah, we, we might have another discussion and see if I'm right. <laughs> I would oh, love actually, a follow-up. I would love a follow-up. Yeah, on yeah, on um, that note, uh, Chris Smith from the University of Southern Queensland, resident aviation expert, thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Alan. Thank you very much. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.